what a joy it is to be here. Um, what a blessing it is to be with the people of God on a Sunday morning um, as we can open up his word and learn from it. Um, the church body here in Rancho has been a huge and tremendous blessing in Taylor and I's life uh, the past six months since we moved here in June. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here and pray that the Lord will use this time to teach us, to teach us and shape us by his word. This morning, as your bulletin says, and as the screen says, we're in Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is probably pretty familiar to most of you if you've been in the church for any number of time. I specifically remember growing up, being four or five years old, and going on walks and bike rides with my dad. And there were three scripture passages that we memorized and went over with him. John 3, 16 and 17, Psalm 100, and Psalm 23. So in many ways, the psalm is a piece of me and it's ingrained in me. But I think when we are so familiar with things, sometimes we miss their true significance. And that is what, is what happened with me until I started studying Psalm 23. And so this morning, um, I'm really thankful to be in Psalm 23 with you. The Lord has used it a lot in my life the past several months. Um, and so whether you've never given thought to Psalm 23 or whether you've heard it many times, I pray that the Lord would challenge us, teach us, and cause us to trust him more as we learn from it. So would you please turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm 23. And before we read, I want to remind you that this time is a special time as we read God's word because it's the only perfect part of our service as we read God's word and we hear him speak to us through it. And Psalm 23, starting in verse 1, says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me and the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you please pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can learn from it today. Lord, we pray that you would use Psalm 23 now to instill in us a greater trust in our good shepherd and our good God that we can truly trust because of his character. Lord, we praise you that you are a mighty and awesome God who is holy and just and merciful and gracious and rules over all. Lord, we thank you that you are sovereign over our lives. Pray that you would use this time now to shape us, to transform our hearts and our minds, Lord, that you would conform us more to the image of Christ. Amen. Psalm 23 is centered on the fact that the Lord is our shepherd. It's the very first thing you read in this song. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And if the Lord is our shepherd, then we must be his sheep. While I was preparing to teach today, I came across a heading, and it reads this. 116 sheep die in worst case of sheep worrying in living memory. And you might ask yourself, what in the world is sheep worrying? What could this be? 
Um, sheep are really timid and really fearful of things, especially things they think can harm them, uh, even just a barking dog or someone's domesticated animal of any kind. Sheep get so anxious and so fearful that, quote, in these instances, they get into a huddle, find themselves crushed, and sometimes just expire from the strain, meaning they have literally killed themselves because of fear, of anxi- fear and anxiety. Sheep, when presented with a fright, literally scare themselves to death. This picture went along, uh, a picture went along with this article, and it's just a big mass of 116 sheep on the ground, killed over because they panicked themselves to death. They're either trampled or they die of pure anxiety and fear. And sheep, as we know, are not the brightest um, nor the most self-sufficient animals. They don't have any of their own defense mechanism. Um, they can't protect themselves. They're lost, defenseless, helpless, and in danger when not properly cared for. But Psalm 23 isn't the only place where the Lord compares us to sheep. Psalm 100 says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. 1 Peter 2, 25, for you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And John 10, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So it's for good reason that we're often compared to sheep, if we really are honest with ourselves. We are so much like them. We are helpless, we are lost, we are defenseless, and we're rather stupid on our own. We're sure in to encounter a myriad of problems when we're left to ourselves. But Psalm 23 tells us great news because we're told that we're sheep who have not been left on our own, but we've been provided a perfect and good shepherd. So in Psalm 23 this morning, we're going to see three perfect ways that our good shepherd cares for us. First, in his provision. Second, in his protection. And third, in his blessing. These are all so that we might learn to trust him better in all circumstances. A little bit of background on Psalm 23 is that David wrote it probably when he, near, when he was nearing the end of his life. It's a psalm of confidence where David is proclaiming things he has learned and knows to be true about God and he is glad to say these things, which is why he so joyfully states, the Lord is my shepherd. He's come to know his God in a personal way. Having been a shepherd all his life until becoming king, David would have known um, particularly one important thing about sheep and about shepherds. He would have known what it meant to be a good shepherd, and he would have known that the care of the flock is completely dependent on the kind of shepherd and the character of the shepherd that they have. So it's with this in mind that we're going to see our first point in Psalm 23, verse 1. The Good Shepherd's Perfect Provision. Like I said, the first thing we read in Psalm 23 is that the Lord is our shepherd. David gladly asserts this. He wants to say, the Lord, he is my shepherd. This, this word Lord here is the name Yahweh. It's the name that is used to denote the nearness of God to his people, his faithfulness to his promises. 
This is the God that David in his other Psalms recognizes as the creator, sustainer, and ruler of the universe. This is also the God that promised David the Messiah would come from his line. On this side of the cross, it's the Messiah, Christ our Lord, who we see and know as our good shepherd. John 10 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I laid down my life for the sheep. So for those who have trusted in Christ that are here this morning, we can say alongside David, the Lord, he is my shepherd. It's a joyous thing to be able to proclaim because of who our shepherd is. Immediately following David's proclamation of the Lord as his shepherd, he states, I shall not want. This is a phrase um, that the true significance and meaning I think is lost a little bit in our translation. I shall not want when I first think of it reminds me, and I, and I just kind of think of a generality, and I think I probably want sometimes. I'm probably most of the time don't want, but I shall not want. I, there's probably sometimes I want. It probably happens. We all lack. We all have things in in life that we need. Um, but I think more clearly what David is trying to say here because of the words and the construction he uses is he's saying, I shall never lack and even more, I'll never even begin to lack. There's nothing I could ever want or ever even begin to want. There's not a moment in my life where I'll experience need because God is my shepherd. When we begin to realize this, the rest of Psalm 23 takes on a clear meaning. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want are probably the two key phrases, I think, in this psalm that will paint a beautiful picture in the rest of it. So with the Lord as your shepherd, you will never lack anything that you truly need. Being able to call Christ our good shepherd gives us immense and great hope because it's in Colossians 1 that we read. By him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through him and for him. We have the omniscient and all-powerful ruler of the universe as our shepherd. This is the God who rules over all things, who placed every star, even those yet to be discovered in the sky. And yet he knows the number of the days of your life. He knit us together in our mother's wombs. He's formed our lives. This is the God who we get to call our shepherd. It's no wonder his sheep never lack because he is a perfect and good shepherd. Who better could care for you and me? There is no one better. And so this good shepherd that we call savior rules over all things, but he's not distant. He is near to his people. Consider what we have sung the past month. We have sung songs about Christ who came down in the form of a man so that he might save us, so that might, he might restore our relationship with him and God. Romans 8.32 says, it is no one, um, says that he who has not spared his own son, will he not graciously give us all things? It's no wonder we never lack when we have Christ as our shepherd because he has met our greatest need and we can find joy in the fact that he supplies for every need we have. We see this um, in the next two statements where, Jesus, where David says, he leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
The good shepherd gives his sheep perfect rest. He gives his sheep perfect nourishment. Isaiah 26.3 tells us, the Lord keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on the Lord for he trusts in the Lord. In the good shepherd's care, we find true peace. And so not only will we never have true need, but our shepherd provides true and lasting rest, true and lasting peace. And part of the reason for this is shown, as David says, he restores my soul. David, of all people, would have known of this care of God, where he not only meets the physical needs of our lives, though we can trust his provision for this, but his care extends deep into our inner beings where we have needed restoring the most. In 2 Samuel 12, we read about how David took another man's life so that he might take his wife, committing not only murder but adultery. These actions were far more than outward. They were inward and revealed the sin in David's heart. How guilty and sickened his conscience must have been. Yet the Lord seeks after his sheep. He forgives them. He restores them. And we beautifully read Nathan uttered these words in 2 Samuel 12, 13, as David acknowledges his sin. The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. What restoration David must have experienced in his soul. What great forgiveness of sin the Lord bestowed upon him. And we too can experience that. Because now in light of Christ's work on the cross, all can experience this restoration of their souls. Christ has made forgiveness available because of his work on the cross and his death and resurrection that defeated sin and death. We serve a God who is a perfect and good shepherd that meets every need of our, of our souls. He restores them by purchasing them from the bondage of sin and death. Because of our good shepherd and his perfect provision, our true needs are met in Christ and we can have true peace and rest in him. But it's not just our souls and it's not just the things in front of us that our good shepherd rules over. It's our futures and every aspect of our lives. We see this as he says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That which will happen in the future is in the hands of our good shepherd. So we need not fear what our future holds. We learned in the Sermon on the Mount earlier this year in Matthew 6, 25 to 34, that does not the father clothe the lilies of the field and give food to the sparrow? Our good shepherd guides us so that we don't have to say, what shall we eat or what shall we wear or what shall we drink because our heavenly father knows that we need them all. Do you see the perfect provision of your good shepherd in this? The Lord meets the needs of our souls so that we never lack. Yet he also promises to lead our lives so that we can trust him with our future and the needs that are in front of us. We see that he does these things for his name's sake in verse three. Because the care of a shepherd's flock is a direct reflection of the character of the shepherd, we can take great confidence in that. Because our shepherd is holy and perfect and eternal and just and righteous and merciful and gracious. If our care is consistent 
with the character of God, then how is it that we could ever lack? How is it that we could ever have any need? These past few months um, have been a time of great growth in Taylor and I's lives as we moved here in June from Orange to partake in the revitalization effort here um, in Rancho. And it's in this time that the Lord has stretched us and taught us to trust him in new ways through new things. And I know that this is true of several of us who have moved either from Simi or Orange to come here as we've trusted him for the provision of homes and jobs and finances and schools and many other things. It was several months ago that Taylor and I found out the great news that we're having our first child, a boy, come March. Um, But with that comes a little bit of pressure because we think, okay, well, we want Taylor to stay home. How is everything going to even out, right? How is this going to work? And it was in the midst of these past few months as we were praying and seeking the Lord's direction and asking him that he would provide for our family. And our home group and our friends were playing along with us that we were in Orange and we were talking to one of our, our dear friends, Timothy Ma, actually Matt's brother. And, we, and he asked how he could pray for us. We told him, you know, we're praying that the Lord would provide for the baby once it comes, um, that things would even out, that life would work. And he said these words. He said, God always provides for what he creates. And so recently, we've had the great joy and humbling privilege of seeing the Lord provide in our lives. And it was in this that Taylor reminded me, God always provides for what he creates. And so we rely on a good shepherd who doesn't just clothe us spiritually, but he meets every need of our lives. And so we can trust him to provide every need we have. So if you feel tempted to say, I feel as though I lack. I have great worry and anxiety in my life. Are you struggling to trust God in the moment you're in? When you think that way, consider the lilies of the field and the sparrow. Consider the marriage, the family, the situation that God has created and put you in. And remember that God always provides for what he creates. David tells us that with Christ as our shepherd, there's nothing we need that we do not have and that everything we need, we do have. It is a great blessing to call the Lord our shepherd and be perfectly provided by him. It's not just his perfect provision we see though, but in verse four, we see the second aspect of our good shepherd's perfect care. We see the good shepherd's perfect protection. David knew well the provision of the Lord, but he knew possibly even better the protection of the Lord. His life was put in jeopardy and sought numerous times by others, including Saul, Goliath, even his own son, Absalom. And yet time after time, the Lord protected David and kept him. This leads him to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. These are bold words by David. Can we, in our greatest trials, in the darkest moments of our life, can we say, I fear no evil as David does? David had suffered hunger, persecution. He had suffered threats against his life. He'd even suffered, as we saw with Bathsheba, self-inflicted harm as, they lost, as he lost his child because of his sin. Yet he found great comfort because even in great trial, trial, he knew that the good shepherd never leaves your side. 
we can take comfort in the watchful care of our shepherd because Hebrews 13, five tells us he will never leave us nor forsake us. This is why David says, I do not fear for the Lord is with me. He's experienced the presence of his savior and his shepherd and his God in the hardest times of his life. We now, even more, can look towards Christ, our savior, who can empathize and know what we're going through. Christ knows what it's like to suffer the pain of betrayal as Judas betrayed him. He knows what it's like to suffer loss as he wept for his friend Lazarus as he died. You don't go through 33 years of life in ancient Israel without having to know what it is to lack, to experience need, and to experience sorrow. Jesus was fully human. He experienced all human emotions and he knew what it was to walk on this earth, a sinful world. So we can take heart in our suffering because our savior is with us and he is a shepherd who can comfort us as we walk through the darkest trials of our lives. He has been there. In 2 Corinthians 7 verse 6, it tells us that we have a God who comforts the downcast. In 2 Corinthians 1, verses three to four, we read, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. But the comfort that we have shown, been shown by God. So the Lord is not only with us and comforting us, but as we see next, he is protecting us. This too lends us comfort. David says in verse four, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff of a shepherd um, are not the same thing. At first you might read it and think he's just saying the same thing in two ways. They're two different instruments. The rod is like a club, like a big, stocky, heavy stick that a shepherd would use to protect his sheep from wolves, from bears, from lions, um, whatever it is that might try to harm them. This is the rod. The staff of a shepherd is a pretty stereotypical shepherd's staff. It's tall and has a crook on the end. And this is essentially used to protect the sheep from themselves. The Lord's staff protects you from you. Keeps sheep out of harm's way. Puts them back on the right path. Left to ourselves, we're lost. But with God as our good shepherd, we are protected. David uses both of these illustrations for good reason. He wants us to know that God, our shepherd, our good shepherd, both defends us from and keeps us from harm. His sovereign hand, his watchful eye are over every aspect of our lives. Despite this truth that we read David's, that he's told us, We're so tempted to say, then why have I suffered? Why does it feel like there's lack? Why does it feel like there's need in my life? Why am I suffering right now? We want to say, if Christ is such a good shepherd who protects, then for what reason did he not keep me out of this dark valley? Though we don't often have immediate and micro answers to our suffering, the Bible and God wishes to give us macro reasons. 
the large perspective. And in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 to 7, we read this. Paul, speaking of, of his affliction, says, The affliction we experienced was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And so in your greatest suffering, the Lord calls you to rely on him and not yourself. Will you rely on this good shepherd? In 2 Corinthians, again, chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, we read that we suffer so that we can give comfort to others who suffer with the same comfort that we've been comforted by God. God puts suffering in your life so that you will experience his comfort and may bring that comfort to others who suffer. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 6, tells us the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He disciplines us for good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. In our suffering, the Lord is working to give us perfect peace that is the fruit of righteousness. We see this in James 1, 2-4, as he tells us, Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In your greatest suffering, the Lord is working in your life to produce a greater and more sure faith. Will you trust him now to guide you in your trials? Will you find joy in his plan to work even the hardest situations for your good in his glory? William Cowper, he was a believer from the 18th century and he was a poet who wrote hymns, some of them we still sing today. He was a man that struggled with deep depression, but he wrote these words amidst his depression. God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. He knew that in every effort to strike down and destroy us, the Lord is transforming these things and using his purposes to invite us into his glory and his joy. We have a good and perfect shepherd who causes the storms in our life to break with mercy and blessing over us. I stop and I think the good provision, the perfect provision, and the perfect protection of our Savior seem like they would probably be enough. He meets every true need of our lives through his perfect provision. 
And our good shepherd perfectly protects, causing even our greatest sorrow to bring the most truest joy. But it doesn't end there. There's more, David says. And in verses five and six, we see our third aspect of our good shepherd's care. The good shepherd's perfect blessing. This perfect blessing of our shepherd that we read about is twofold. It's both present now right in front of you and it's eternal. In the present, we see David proclaim, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. This picture of a table before David in the presence of his enemies is like David lying down at a banquet feast and he's there, he's enjoying it. He knows it is a good blessing from his God and yet his enemies sit nearby They watch him, they can see him. He doesn't panic because the blessing of our shepherd doesn't depend on our surroundings. David is sure even as his adversaries who wish to take his life sit nearby because the blessing of our shepherd doesn't depend on our surroundings. It is sure and secure no matter where you are. We see the blessing of God in our lives even more as we read David tell us that his cup overflows. It's not just the blessing of having Christ as our shepherd that makes us secure. It's not, it's not just in front of us, but it's immense and it's unending. Like a paper cup under Niagara Falls, the blessing of God is poured out on his people. We've seen in Christ the great lengths our shepherd will go towards securing our salvation. We read in Romans 8, will he who did not spare his own son but give him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Philippians 4.19 tells us, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. If we're blessed according to the riches of God's glory that are found in Christ, then of course Our cup will overflow and overflow and overflow. The blessing will be unending. There's no end to the blessing of our good shepherd upon his sheep. Verse six affirms this. As it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I used to think when I was little, by the way, surely goodness and mercy were three separate different things because we'd say it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And um, wasn't until probably I was in high school and I read the psalm and I thought, surely's not a thing. How could that be? So you only get two things. You get goodness and mercy. But this surely means that without a doubt, the Lord's mercy And his goodness will follow you. This word follow is a really interesting word that David uses. It's militaristic. It always most of the time, always most of the time, describes someone or an army being pursued by other people. This is a word that is repeated over and over again in Exodus 13 and 14. As Israel is fleeing the Egyptians... 
Any Israelite who would have read this, any Jew who would have read this psalm would have thought to that and thought, God pursues me like that with his goodness and mercy? Like the Egyptians who wanted to kill us? The Lord's goodness and mercy follow us. They pursue us. This word for mercy is actually the same word that's many other places translated covenant faithfulness or loyalty or the graciousness of God. And so it's the goodness and great faithfulness of God that pursue you now. They follow after you and they keep on coming. His pursuit of you with his graciousness is incessant. The Lord's goodness and mercy that he pursues you with didn't just happen yesterday or today or the last time you remember feeling like you could trust God or the last time that you remember feeling blessed. They're not just pursuing you for today or tomorrow. They won't just pursue you in a week. God's goodness and faithfulness and mercy will not just pursue you in a year. They will pursue you for your entire life bar Christ coming back. His goodness and mercy pursue you always. God and his faithfulness pursues you and he doesn't grow tired. God doesn't get bored or become distracted or forget things. Cementing this truth even further, we read David say, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord's blessing on us isn't just for this life, but it is eternal. It doesn't just last for the length of David's lifetime or yours. His pursuit of his sheep with faithfulness and goodness spans across eternity. This pursuit of us has shown itself in God's perfect plan of salvation in Christ who came down as a human baby to save all of those who would trust in him and his work on the cross. In your salvation, in your justification, through God's mercy, he pursued you. In the ups and downs of your lives now, God's faithfulness pursues you as he works to sanctify us through both blessing and trial. And when our lives are soon gone, the Lord's goodness and mercy will be perfected as we are glorified and we're made to look more like Christ and reflect his glory. We read in Ephesians 2, 7, the flood of his immeasurable riches toward us will be ours forever and ever. We ought to take joy in knowing that no matter our circumstance, no matter the day that the Lord follows after us and pursues us with his faithfulness, with his goodness, with his graciousness, with his mercy, what a joy it is to know our good and perfect shepherd. I pray that all of us in this room know this good shepherd. But there are those who may never experience the goodness of this shepherd. The shepherd that David describes in Psalm 23 is the shepherd of those who have trusted in Christ for their salvation. If that's not you, then none of what we just read can be yours. There's no provision, there's no protection, there's no blessing on any day in your life. Without God as a shepherd, your life has no guarantees of peace, protection, or blessing. Your true needs and even the needs in front of you are not guaranteed to be met. 
A life without the good shepherd is lonely. It's fearful. Without Christ as your shepherd, you can't have true direction and there's no assurance of comfort in your sorrow. Those of us who know Christ would attest to that being true prior to Christ. And even those who don't know Christ would probably say, yeah, that's how a lot of my life is. I don't know what to do with it. The good news, though, is that there's hope for every person who find themselves outside of the good care of this perfect shepherd. John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Christ calls to all, and in Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The invitation to know Christ and know his satisfying and good care as our shepherd is free to everyone. It's because of what Christ did. He was fully God. He was fully man. He lived a perfect life on this earth so that he might die in your place to take the penalty for your sins. He substituted himself, took the punishment that we deserved for sin. He was buried He was raised on the third day and he defeated sin and death and now he sits enthroned in heaven and is interceding for all those who would trust in him as their savior. Trust Christ alone today as your savior. The shepherd doesn't call for perfect sheep who who know and can always have this perfect faith though. Just those who know they need a savior and will repent of their sins and trust in him. This shepherd who is the savior of the world, who is Christ, who is God himself, he is the great prize of salvation. We ought to trust him today. If you don't know him, trust him today. Repent of your sins and believe. We've seen in Psalm 23, that our good shepherd has great and perfect care and love for us. This is because of his character. And because of his character, we know that he is a perfect shepherd. We've seen his perfect provision, that he gives us everything we truly need. We've seen his perfect protection as he keeps and guards his sheep and works all things for our good in his glory. And we've seen his, perf- his perfect blessing that will follow us today and tomorrow and for the rest of eternity. We have a great shepherd. This is the shepherd that David trusted and found great confidence in. This is the shepherd that he was excited to say, the Lord, he is my shepherd. I think the overarching takeaway from Psalm 23 is that we have a shepherd who is completely worthy of our trust and who calls us to trust him now. If you've been at Grace Rancho for the last few months, I think that you've probably been given a chance to see this trust on display. I don't think they're here this morning, but Steve and Janet Ganey um, are members of this church who 
have been here for decades. And in October, um, Steve suffered a stroke, kind of unexpected, and had immediate surgery, and then he had two surgeries shortly after that to his carotid arteries. And there's no doubting that this has been a trying time for them. Steve had setbacks in his speech, um, and Janet has not only been caring for Steve, but her mother as well during this time. But what has been such an encouragement, I think, for those who have seen them go through this, and, and very much for me, is that we can watch them as they embrace it with joy and complete faith and trust in their Lord. From the very beginning, um, it has very much sounded like anybody that Steve and Janet have talked to, they've pointed towards God and they've said, he's sovereign over it. We're trusting him right now. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're in his hands. The first time I really got to talk to Steve and Janet was about two weeks after Steve's stroke at their house. And I had told Janet that it was wonderful and a blessing and an encouragement to see them walk through this with such great faith. And Janet uttered these words to me. She said, my faith in God has always been fact, not a feeling. She shared that the reason this was is because when she was a young girl, her family had suffered the loss of her sister. And that in that trial, she had seen her parents model this faith as fact, what it means to trust God and have joy no matter what happens. And so she learned that just as the Lord's care and his perfect care is a fact, that so can our faith be. Just this past week, on Monday, on a Christmas Eve service, I was talking to Janet and I said, this has been such an encouragement to see your faith, to see you walk through this with joy. It's an example for us. She kind of said to me, you always wonder what it's going to be like when things like this happen, what, what's going to happen? How am I going to respond? She said, we can't do it by ourselves. It's all him. God is doing the work. He is sustaining us. He is keeping us in this time. Janet and Steve Ganey are living examples right in front of us that show us what it is to trust our good shepherd as we ought to in every season. If you know Steve and Janet, you know that they're talkative and that they smile a lot. And really that hasn't changed much. Their joy is intact because they trust in this good shepherd. They embody the words of David in verse four as he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And so my prayer is that as we consider Psalm 23 and we think about the perfect provision and protection and blessing of our shepherd, that we would come to know him personally as David did, where he can exclaim these things gladly. That we would come to know him personally in these ways as Steve and Janet have. So that our, too, so that our faith too may be fact, not based on what's around us, but fact based on God and his perfect care. Would you please pray with me? Lord, we are so thankful for the great truths that we read about your care in Psalm 23. 
Lord, we confess that so often we do not trust you. Lord, we confess that anything hard that gets in our way, we are tempted to say, I lack, I have needs. What are you doing? So, Lord, we pray that you would strip us of these things, Lord, that you would point us to Christ and that we would learn to trust in him alone as our good shepherd. Lord, help us trust in his perfect provision. Lord, as, as, as we go through our lives and, and we look at our daily needs, help us to trust him. Most of all, Lord, we pray that we would trust Christ, that we would trust him daily and remember the gospel that he died in our place that we might have life. Lord, give us a greater faith. May our faith become fact as we know you more. Amen.